Hello, hello. Welcome to yet another edition of Minor Details. Minor D. Minor Deets. I'm your host, Colonel Chimp. And to my right is... Marcus. Just, you know, good old-fashioned Marcus. The man with the master plan, Marcus. What's going on, Marcus? We need a nickname for you, Marcus. I'm sorry, but everyone has a nickname and you're still with Marcus. Unless that's not your real name. Maybe. My middle name's uh, Israel. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start calling you Izzy. Yeah. And if you combine my name, like with just the first initials, it's Miss. Miss. M-I-S. M-I-S. Yes. Marcus Israel Santamaria. Missing in satisfaction. Yeah. Well, you just doxed yourself, my friend. They're going to be sending fleshlights to your door. Oh, no. How will I live? That address is... (laughs) How will I live with myself with all the fleshlights? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could share them. Anyway, so what did you want to talk about? I think today's episode is going to be curated by uh, Mr. Santa Maria over yes, here. Yes, I did some research did for some once. Research. Yes, for, for this. Um, I wanted to talk about my personal top story narrative driven games in the sense of what that implies is that the game has to has has to have a story has to have and it has to be the main thing about the game so if it has multiplayer that's all right as long as the story is the main chunk of the game or of of your experience of this game okay cool and um what have you come up with so far so this actually took me a little bit to research because there's a lot of great games with a lot of great stories and a lot of ones I haven't played personally myself. So these are more games that I find very interesting or unique. I try to look for things that were not part of the mainstream stuff, but at the end of the day, what isn't right? So my first one, and it's going from lowest to top is going to be Kodor 2. Hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have a feeling this is going to be a very um, content-dense episode, so I'm going to just write stuff down as you say it so I remember what to go back to. Okay. And now I'm gonna, so could you go back and say um, uh, what was the criteria, criteria okay. for the game you're looking at? The criteria of this, um, I guess, list or however you want to put it, is it has to be a narrative-driven game. Meaning that the story has to be the chunk of the game. It has to be the main stuff of the game. Now, there can be multiplayer, but not in the sense of Call of Duty, where there's like a campaign, but the campaign's usually the second Yeah, thing. yeah. It's, it's, it's usually it's the multiplayer. Yeah. It's an add-on for when no one's playing, just yourself. And the reason why I chose this is because recently I've been getting back into reading, mm-hmm. and I used to read a lot of biographies and science books. Um, so I just got kind of bored of that. So I decided to um, just start jumping in my favorite uh, Grim Dark Universe 40K. So, you know, they got intense stories there. And it just got me thinking, like, you know, what other games out there kind of break the mold of of a traditional storytelling narrative, right? Mm. And, and that's the thing I was trying to think for myself because... You could look at like the original games, like uh, like SNES, Final Fantasy, one of the early editions of an RPG or Fantasy Star, where they did have some form of narrative-driven thing. In the sense of that, it was like a call to hero plotline. You know, the heroes of light go to fight like the uh, the forces of dark or whatever. Always, always, it's always four people there's some sort of crystal there's some so some sort of key in four yeah. different directions they have to get and th- that definitely goes back to like just quickly so sorry to interrupt your flow to like w- w- with, with the japanese or maybe it's it's further than that maybe it's chinese as well but it's, it's always have to do with north south east west and there's some sort of either element or animal or something attached to that direction yeah and i yeah. feel like those crystals that's like that's what was always behind that in terms of Final Fantasy, the only one that I thought got 
it, when it started getting interesting in the sense of, and this is just use an example. Again, I'm not saying this is part of my list. Yeah. But look at the yeah the early Final Fantasy games and and seven. Mm-hmm. Like when seven, I, I believe seven's the first 3D one, right? The first yep. 3D Final Fantasy, and that one actually played around with um, religious um, iconography. Yeah, and um, I, I thought that was pretty interesting, and I thought Final Fantasy was probably one of the first. I mean, again. I don't know this 100%, but it was probably one of the first games to add those religious Could you give examples? annotations right there. Well, Genova, um, I believe that's a religious term in, um, in, um, in, the, in Judaism. Um, I, I don't remember what exactly is, but I do know that Genova is something with Judaism. I feel like a lot of games, especially especially um, games made in Japan, since they didn't necessarily grow up with Christianity. So, um, so you know, um, obviously after World And they War were II persecuted and, at some point in their history, too. So it's like after, obviously after World War II, there was an influx, influx of a lot of um, American culture and, yep. and, and Western culture. And with that included ideas like christianity yep so to yep. them it was kind of like something new and i noticed a lot of games did use it um zelda first of all like oh yeah with Link. the shield and stuff yep. yeah and a lot of the games like you're saying like um refer to heroes and there's often like um a very religious undertone to some are more blatant some are just you know more like um just kind of like pointing in that direction so It'd be, it'd be interesting to um, do a deeper dive into that. Yeah. And on that same subject, I feel that the games that did use like Link use like the cross and stuff. I feel like that was more of like an aesthetic thing. I thought, I, I think like they, like maybe the religious stuff looked interesting for their universe, whatever game they were making. But again, I feel like Final Fantasy 7 or any other game out there, I'm not, again, not 100% sure, but use those religious words and stuff but in terms of its own story in its own universe yeah 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 and it had reasons why they were there and stuff like that so and the coolest thing if you were a religious person played this game and saw something like genova and stuff and the other religious i uh what was it iconography 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 like symbols symbolism. yeah the symbolism stuff so back to my list um, the first game I picked, my third one, and I only picked three games for this because I wanted to give myself a challenge. I didn't want to do 10. I didn't want to do five. I just yeah. want to pick three and then get in depth on why I like those three. Keep it simple, Santa Maria. Yeah. So the third one is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. Hmm. Now, that originally was higher on my list, but... I put it down a couple pegs because um, it was a rushed game and it wasn't fully complete. And if you looked into the original story of how the game was going to play out, it would have been a little bit more dynamic and more interesting. And it would have definitely made it more of a complete circle. But the reason why I chose Kodor 2, and there is a original, obviously, Kodor 1, and Coda 1 is technically the one that is hailed as one of the greatest storytelling in games and and with a great twist with it. Why? The, um, it was one of the first games that actually, well, first Star Wars game games that made you feel like you were in the Star Wars universe, like going mm. to different planets. And, you, and this wasn't Galaxies. So I don't know if you ever heard of Star Wars Galaxies. That was like another Star Wars MMO game that was kind of like... Not exactly like Kodor, but in the sense of like you could go to different planets and see like the Star Wars worlds rather than having super specific things at that time. There was a period in time when the Phantom Menace was coming out that a bunch of Star Wars games were coming out and they either centered around they they most most of them centered around the Phantom Menace universe. So there was like. Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, the racer, Jedi, Starfighter, the racer one. Yeah. Pod racing. That was the pod racing one. I remember that. Uh, there was one on Obi-Wan for the Xbox. 
then there was like a, a beat em up style Star Wars game. I forgot what? the name. Yeah, no, it, that one was dope. I loved that one. I used to play that one all the time. I just don't remember the name. But yeah, there was a bunch of Star Wars games that came out during that time. And the reason why they mostly centered around the Phantom Menace universe is because George Lucas, when he had control of the Star Wars universe before he sold it to Disney, he gave studios an option saying, okay, you can either do it in the universe of that we're currently doing it on, on the films, or you could do it like way in the past. And what Bioware and Obsidian chose was just to do it in the past. So it gave them the most free reign. Yeah. More creative control, more creative control. Exactly. So Corridor one is hailed as a great story because again, it, it's the originator of making you feel like you're in the Star Wars universe and the decisions you make really do count. And then the whole becoming light side and dark side, I believe that was one of the first uh, decisions. User, yeah. Like it was one of the first games to add that mm. dynamic karma system. Gotcha. 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 Um, but I chose two because it's a little bit more mature in the sense of its storytelling. And what I love about it is that it's not a very hopeful Star Wars game. It's very dark. It's very depressing, too. And it deals with intense stuff. Like, it deals with PTSD, refugees, criminal organizations. It it has almost everything. And... The reason why I like it a little bit more than the first Corridor game is, again, because it's a little bit more mature and it brings you, it makes you think about the Star Wars universe in a different way, which that's the best part about Corridor 2 is that it changes the way you think about, again, the Star Wars universe. And when games do that to you or when something does that to you, I feel like in a storytelling sense, that is very good. That is if your if your story's so good, you have to like rethink a whole universe. I think that's a pretty good way of a pretty good story, you know. Oh yeah, and then uh, but also, um, they were starting with a part of the universe, part of the story that was untouched. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, as long as they didn't really mess it up. But okay, so you're introducing, um, you're saying these games introduce a lot of different systems, and so these are all tools. Well. Um, the, let me give you some background context on the development real quick. But so, like how well did they implement those tools? That's, that's my question because I, I feel like storytelling in a video game, um, you could have so many ways of telling the story and making the experience more in depth. But do they actually achieve that or it does it get so clunky where the, the, the user experience suffers? Well, here's the thing. I have to give you some context on the game. So... Corridor 1 was made. And just to note, Marcus just took his hair down, so that means he's serious. Oh, yes. I let my hair down. Um, also because of the headphones, they're also kind of smushing my bun. So Smushing his bun. Anywho, <laughs> um, the first one was made by Bioware. And Bioware had a decent amount of time to create this game. So they, they reuse an old... Um, Combat system, I believe it's like a D&D-esque combat system. Um, I believe Neverwinter Nights uses the same engine too, and I believe it's an updated version of that engine. But after the first one did really good, Bioware was going to start creating Mass Effect. So that was the, uh, that was the option. That was the, um, their choice to go on and create a new IP while the people who I believe own the rights to Star Wars really wanted a sequel to Kodor because the first one did so good. So they gave it to Obsidian. And for the longest time, I thought Obsidian was forced to release this game early or they were rushed on purpose. No, is that during that time, that's what they were known for. That studio, Obsidian, they were known for like given short times to make good games. Hmm. And it's really weird. It's it's so they were known for overworking their team. <laughs> pretty much, I, I would imagine. But something I don't know. But they for. but they make they make bangers like uh, yeah, like that one and uh, and another game I'll talk about. But anywho, the second one, it is a clunky game. I'm not gonna lie. There is, it's obviously 
it's an obviously rushed game in the sense of there are glitches, there are stuff that you could soft lock yourself out of. But if you like power through that and download some mods to fix that, you could get it working pretty well. I mean, I played the game a bunch of times and now I could play through it with no problems or crashes of any kind. But in the sense of the, the greater storytelling and sense of is it a clunky way how they deliver their lines or anything? No. The voice acting is amazing. It's everybody hits the right motion, emotions. Okay, so now we're grabbing onto something a little more concrete. So um, so it had good voice acting. Very good voice acting, yes. So, so, so you would say that good voice acting is definitely a part of like a strong narrative-driven yes. game? Okay. I would, I would highly recommend. I would highly recommend that being one of the pivotal things in a good storytelling narr- narrative. Unless it's an older game. You know, where you just have text, which mm-hmm. is not a problem. Not, you know, uh, I believe Final Fantasy Nine was like that and all the, you know, all the other Final Fantasies until like 10. Yeah, no, I've played, I, I, I definitely agree. Like, there are a lot of games that I like a lot simply because of that great, great, not just the yeah. voice acting, but like just really good quality voice acting. Yes, yes. Like, um, the Xenoblade games are like that. They have excellent voice acting. I recently started playing... Uh, uh, three houses that has great voice acting as well oh yeah yeah and it just it really adds a whole nother dimension to me like it just makes it a little bit more immersive for me because mm-hmm. like you could tell when there's bad voice acting oh yeah and when as soon as that person comes on whoever that is you're just like oh i'm out of it you mm-hmm. know and it's it's like lazy or whatever but no i would say the voice acting in in Kodor 2 is is really good the music, it's Star Wars music. Yeah. So, like, that's hit or miss for a lot of people. I like it, personally, because I, I like John Williams' music. It's mm-hmm. not... I don't think it's exactly John Williams' music. It's, like, inspired. But it's still Star Wars-esque music. So that's another good thing about it. And then really quickly, um, I know uh, I mentioned previously, when people play the game without sound... Uh, yeah. And then, like, yeah, you're missing out on the music, but you're also missing out on great voice acting. Yes, that's the thing with this game. Um, I would say you would be able to play with music while you're just doing battles and stuff if you don't like hearing the same sounds and same battle stuff. Yeah. But when it comes to, like, speaking to the characters and then getting to know the NPCs or, the, or your crew, th- that's when you need to be listening and understanding because the emotional weight that they bring with the voice acting is, is very good, especially one character in particular. Her name is Kreia. And honestly, she is what makes that game really good. She is a very, she is one of the first characters when I played a game, when I played that game the first time that it made me rethink what NPC companions can really be. Right. Like not just somebody there to like also help you in battle, but they have their own backgrounds and stories and and problems and issues that you can either help resolve or you could like intensify those emotions mm. and then turn them into dark Jedi. Okay. See, that's the best thing. Another, you could turn all your crewmates into a Jedi or a dark Jedi. And depending on how you play, you know, affects all of them. That's interesting. But that also... Pl- that also plays within the story too. So another element I want to add is that all the mechanics of the game are explained within the story of the game. So for instance, I'll give you a quick example of that. In traditional RPG games, you kill something and you get experience, right? Yeah. And they don't really, that that's not really explained about too much. It's just like, it's literally what it says it is. It's experience. You like killed something and your character in the lore has like learned a little bit more about killing this thing. So that's why when you gain more levels and you kill like lower level things, it's not as much. Yeah. Well, it's not as much experience because you already killed those things a bunch of time. You see what I'm saying? And in the lore, it's like your character's killed this so many times. He's not learning anything. Just to be uh, pedantic. No, you're still getting the same experience. Well, at least in the games I played, you're still getting the same experience. But now to get a higher level, you need even more. Yeah, experience. you need even more experience. So it takes it takes more. Yeah, yeah, it takes more. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. But in Star Wars, they explain that in the sense of your character. There's something wrong with your character. 
And when he gains experience, it's not in the lore him learning more about this enemy type or he, he, he's just getting more higher levels. The thing is that he's actually, or your character's actually like taking their essence while they're good or bad. Hmm. And they explain that at the very end saying, that's why your character is dangerous because you're taking experience from the other enemies. But in the lore, it's your character using the force to drain them of their, of their like force energy. Gotcha. And then you take it for yourself, whether you're good or bad. Hmm. So th- that's one thing I like about games when they explain the mechanical systems within the lore itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Think of um, it's a part of the universe. It's not just something that was tacked on. Yeah, exactly. Like one thing uh, I, I I don't like about in other RPG games that are like that is um again um one fighting the same en- enemies over and over again mm-hmm. that gets a little annoying when you a- need a- to grind a- down. A- 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 yeah. Um, when you go into an area and you have to do non-related quests. It's like side questing, and I get that and stuff like that. But even some games, when they have side quests, it kind of like builds up to the greater story. It's like think of The Witcher. While there's him as the character, he's just a mercenary. He is looking for a character, a specific character, and that's more of the story there. But since he's already been established in books and stuff that he's more of like a mercenary, mm-hmm. you could literally ride into town and just start doing side missions because that's what a witcher does. Yeah. And I like that. And, and again, that stuff is pretty interesting. I like when they put that in and stuff. But So that's Code or 2 for me. The reason why I put down the third list, again, great voice acting. Mm-hmm. The, I, I'm trying not to spoil stuff either. Like... I would want people to play these games and experience it for themselves. Of course. I'm just putting it out there why I like it. So I'm not getting in specific details of the story or the characters and stuff because I could go in deep in this game with everybody, all the characters. Yeah, but I mean, at that point... um, That's more of like a breakdown. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, We're really trying... I think what we're trying to identify is the different... Um, elements of a good narrative-driven story. Yes. Uh, the mechanics they use, you know, like we were saying, voice the acting. The voice acting, music, mm-hmm. everything that adds to the immersion. Decision-making. Decision-making, and, and, yes. And how that affects the game. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so that's my third game. My second game is... A f- wait, wait, wait. What was the first game? Uh, the first one is Kodor. The second one? Well, technically, it will be the third one since I'm going from lowest to top. Okay. Yeah. So it's that's the third one. The second one would say Kodor (laughs) two. No, 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 not Kodor. Would be Homeworld. Okay. Homeworld. That one is not a very long story, actually, and it's not very detailed either. Funny Mm. enough, a lot of the background you learn from Homeworld is through the handbook. Right. But I kind of like that because it gives you an incentive to learn about the history of this game. Right. Because when you play the game, you're just given after I think there's 20 levels or 17 uh, throughout the whole game. And at the end of each one, you get a short cutscene. And when I mean short, I mean very short. Some of them are just like not even a minute long or like just 20 seconds long. And the reason why I chose that as like a good my second as a good storytelling story narrative driven thing is because of the weight of the atmosphere that it creates. Mm. Like the first level is your character or um, your, your fleet command testing out the sh- your new ships like hyperdrive. You miss the jump and then you have to go back to recalibrate. When you come back, your plan is essentially on fire, Right. And it's the voice acting, the emotional weight that is given with the, with the characters when they see their home world burning. And here's a crazy thing. They're not like freaking out. They're not like crying or anything because this is like a naval fleet, right? They kind of approach it as like a serious like military command, but you can hear the emotion in their voice like all is lost essentially. Yeah. And... 
And the thing with that game too is that when you get introduced to new species or new races, they're not doing a whole audience or a whole crew of voice actors. It's usually just one person. But the thing is that one person has to represent a whole alien race and they get it down very good. Now the gameplay and stuff like that, it's an RTS game. So that's not your thing. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's one of those old school RTS games. I believe it came out in like 1999. Yeah. uh, So so you mentioned that a lot of the story is, is in the book. Yes. In the manual. I love that. Yeah. I I miss when games had more detailed manuals. Oh yeah. I, I remember, um, I should still have this um, somewhere around here, but I used to love reading the manual for uh, for Diablo. Oh it yeah, it would get so in depth into like the the the, the lesser evils and the greater evils, and oh, I loved it. It was the best. Yeah, no, no, I I, I remember that too, and yeah, th- there was a nice time when you could find that, but home, but again, Homeworld kind of takes that to the extreme where. I believe it's like at least 60 pages. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, it's at least 60 pages. And the greatest thing about it, too, is that they really go in detail how the ships are made, how they make more, how they make more ships. Because a lot of games, they don't explain how they get the resource and then, like, refine it and then make it into, like, a tank or whatever. Like, this booklet explains that. They explain these clans that are on this home planet, but... The funny, the greatest thing about it is none of this is mentioned in the story. Yeah. Because it doesn't need to be mentioned because they already, already, they already know this. Yeah. No, that's great because uh, to me, it like, it reaches outside of the purview of, of while actually playing the game, you could really like this game. And then like, let's say, you know, you only play a few hours and then you could read the book later and then you're still stuck in that game world. You're still experiencing it, but from a, a, a different side. Yes. And then yes. you just go right back into it. That's... And, and, that's, and that's another thing. You could like not read the booklet, still play this game and still kind of follow what's going on. Yeah. It's not super out there. And it's not necessary either. Exactly. Now mm. the music in the game, talking about music, it is superb space music. It is very good. It has... um many different types of instruments it has people just vocals just wailing it has a tamba going on in the background and it's very atmos- it's a very atmospheric game and that's why i chose it because it just drools atmosphere from the main menu to when you're just ma- going out getting resources now it's a very tough game and I'm having troubles with it myself and I'm playing it on normal and I'm like, I think I'm at the last mission It's just, I had to like restart that 10 times. And I was like, damn, I can't do this. I have to jump out or safe state, safe state. Oh no. Yeah. And it's, it's a fun game definitely, but it is a learning curve and it's not an in-depth story game, but it is a very good like sci-fi esque like think of Dune. It's a very Dune-esque game where there's yeah. a lot of backstory. There's a lot of history, but they're not like going into it right away. Maybe here and there you might get some tidbits of history because maybe the main characters need to know or they find out information. And I like that. That That is pretty good. And okay. that that would be my second because it's not higher because, again, it's very short cutscenes and it doesn't explain a lot. And if you do want to learn the majority of the background of the game, you do need to read like an other source from the game itself. Yeah. That's the only thing I didn't put it higher. But my number one is my personal number one is the one I play over and over again. Almost but first, like, a word from our sponsors. Oh, yes. Hello. This is Takio Meats. <laughs> you have any cooking tips for us? Yeah, um, you know, I'm just going to keep it simple this time. If you're last time, if you're making, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) If you're making, if you're constantly making a base of something, so it's a base sauce, like a puff pastry, just learn how to make that really good. Because whatever else you add on top of it, the base is like what's going to be the most important part. So that would be like if you're making gumbo, Right. Make sure when you're doing the uh, the the 
when you when you add the chicken stock and you no no sorry i gotta rewind a little bit sorry when you add the flour and butter you gotta make sure the butter and the flour is like dark gotcha right because that's when you get the dark buttery flavor and it's Mm. good with gumbo you know and and so like you would want to learn how to make the base really good of course especially for gumbo or um again a puff pastry if if you're if you like cakes and if you if you like making pies stop buying puff pastry like the quick make just learn to make it yourself because then you could control everything and that's the important part is especially with baking you need to have exact measurements you need to have exact stuff you heard it here first folks chef marcus cooking tips yes don't forget he is available for your catering parties birthday parties and or bar mitzvahs not really chef marcus not any of those not even one of those. Just call KL59999. That's a fake number. And back to our <laughs> regularly scheduled programming. Yes. And let me just give some honorable mentions first, <laughs> actually, before we jump into the first one. All that build up and then just give them honorable mentions. Yeah, there we go. That's how I do. People are hitting stop as we speak. I'm 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 doing the Ryan Johnson play, which is um I subvert the expectations. You know what I mean? Very subversive. Yeah. Let's do it. You didn't see The Last Jedi, right? No. Okay. Yeah. Don't do yourself a favor and never see it. But um, honorable mention, yeah, I would say one would be Morrowind. Um, I didn't really enjoy the story of that game. It was very, it's very complex and everything. But at the end of the day, it's like the world is doomed and you need to save it at the end of the day. And... I still like in the sense of like how Vivek is like a half God or no, he is a God. Sorry. And he's just in the town and you can meet up with him anytime or like, um, the whole story, the whole like, uh, stuff going on with, um, with the guilds and stuff like their own self-contained stories and whatnot. Um, another one I would like to add would be uh, dark souls, dark souls, um, doesn't really have like a narrative driven story because a lot of it is you have to figure it out yourself and mm-hmm. you can even play the game, not knowing what the fuck the game's about. So that's why I didn't put it on. And, um, last one would definitely be mass effect. Now I didn't add it on the list just because it's in so many people's like top game lists. So, you know, mass effect is good, but let's just, give it a chill for now you know i picked i already picked like two space games already sure. so i just wanted to like not add a third one <laughs> all right you're keeping me in suspense here yeah what is number one my number one favorite would be fallout new vegas wow yes in terms of storytelling i think that is the epiphany of storytelling because it's all based on what you do. Everything. Literally everything about that story. You could take the poker chip. You could keep it. You could give it to Benny and then work with him. You could give it to Mr. House, work with him. You see, there, it's not that there's a lot of options. Is that each option leads to something big within the story, which is the end, obviously. But through your actions shapes like all the clans all the people you run into like truly it does and it has one of the best tutorials in gaming when it's just that little when right when you leave the doctor's office and you go into that uh first town i think it's shade uh no not shady sands that's a uh, fallout one i believe um i don't remember the name of the first town oh man this sucks spring spring something springfield no but anywho, that beginning tutorial level is excellent because it just basically plays out how the game is going to be played and how the, how the story is more revolved around you and your decisions. Now, the DLCs are another thing, in my opinion. Um, they're all really good story-wise except for one of them, which will be um, Dead Money. Well, i got to push back a little bit because, okay, so we're talking about Games that are have a um, strong narrative driven games yes. that tell a great story 
And yeah, yes. so so um, you've identified a, a couple of mechanics. One of them is, it seems to be decision making, but does that really if like is does that make the story any better? Just because you can change the story, like does the story get inherently better? Are they telling a better story, or is it just that they're telling you a different story because you've chosen one of the available paths? Well, that's why I didn't choose Mass Effect because that's Mass Effect, in my opinion. It's only at the end of the series. There's only like three conclusions, right? And no matter what changes you really make, at the end, that's still gonna happen, mm. right? Um. The reason why I chose these games was the, with some storytelling, except for um, the second one being Homeworld. There's literally no decisions in that one. Um, it depends, really, because it depends if the decisions lead to outcomes that actually have some type of effect on either the characters, yourself, or the main plot, right? So, for instance, New Vegas... Um, there are different endings for each faction you work with, right? But each faction totally works in a different way from each other. So it's a mixture of like your own gameplay style, how you see the world yourself, you know, and, and who you believe will be the best to essentially take over and be the best rulers of this area. Mm, right. So, Another thing with, especially in decisions in games, because I feel a lot of the older games, decisions were more of like, not really decisions, but it was more like, that was just choose your own adventure path. Yeah, things, exactly. Where it's like, you go to B and then you just flip the page B and then, oh, you died, you know? Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that with these decisions, they really do affect not, some of them, it's not the greater overall story but it's your characters or you're your character yourself right so let me use an example for new vegas um caesar's legion now have you played new vegas no yeah caesar's legion is basically the bad guys of new vegas but here's the thing once you like overcome their their like bad guy side and start learning about who they are as a people, you actually, you actually learn. They have like morals. They have, mm. they have um a, a like a a system. They have they're organized. Um, my my favorite thing is that all the um all the people in Caesar's Legion, none of them are drug addicts. None of them are allowed to do anything. While people in the NCR, which is more of like a democracy, trying to be based more on America, like mm. old school America, there's like rife with corruption. Right. And one side is claiming to be for democracy and freedom. And the other is just fighting for Kaiser or Caesar. And again, once you look into, and that's just two factions and there's other factions and they all have their own very detailed backgrounds and why they're there. And it's up to you to decide whether um, it's not like whether they decide to live or die. You can even just leave them alone. Right. Mm. But it's more of like, you go in, you learn about the people, and then you learn they're not, it's not so black and white. They're not so evil. They have to do these things to either do this or, or make a living or whatnot. So it's more in the sense of that these decisions you make affect, it's not just like going to a page and just flipping and then you get this result. It kind of like you make a decision and then it just, I don't know how to put it. It just adds on. It just keeps adding on to your own personal story. Because mm. then again, you could replay the game. And this time you could be, oh, I don't want to work with anyone. I just want to be out for myself. Right? And then there is like a dynamic little contained story just for working for yourself. You know? And it changes how the ending happens and... But are they all still good stories? Yes, I would okay. say so. I would say... So you're not really missing anything by changing the different routes. Um, you're still having a really good experience. Yes, yes. Okay. You're, like either experience... The, the important thing is... I, I think this is what I want to say. Each decision opens up... It, it, 
brightens your view of the world that they're in. Gotcha. It makes it more rich and dynamic. It makes it more rich and dynamic. So, for instance, if um, if in an RPG, um, let's say like a Final Fantasy X, right? Um, what was I going with this? In the sense of that story, it's just one big linear story, obviously, right? Because there are no decisions you make. It's all everything that the characters are already preset mm-hmm. to make. You know, the only things you get to choose in 10 is just like the dialogue and it's not even changing anything really. And that's what I mean by that, where it's like, yeah, you have like one. I mean, granted, it was new at the time. You feel like you're doing something, but it's not really affecting the story overall. Exactly. While Fallout, like. There are companions you could miss. There are situations. There are like moments in the game you could completely miss because you didn't. Uh, talk to A or talk to B or you didn't do this quest line which opened up this set of quest line which is connected with these characters or something. Yeah, I mean that that right there is is definitely seen in in a lot of old games. Yeah. Where, like where you can miss out on extra characters if you don't talk to them or yeah. do this and that. But. And that's one thing I want to point out when a lot of new games today, that's one thing that we're going to definitely not see around or maybe it might come back. You missing stuff. Or you totally, completely not seeing a quest line or an optional area. There's very few games nowadays that I could point to, like Dark Souls 3 with one area, really. Um, but yeah, that's the problem with today's games, I feel, is that it's, there's no bad stuff. You can't, there's always that reward. Like, if you mess up this quest line, you get, a, you still get a reward or something. And, and, that's my biggest issue with um, Skyrim 2, by the way. Just another tangent is that it just gives you everything. There is no failing unless you literally quit the mission or something or just never do it, mm. right? And there are stuff you can miss in that. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like important stuff because at the end of the day, you still need to be like the dragonborn and you still need to do this whole main quest line. Right. While in fallout, you could totally miss out on all these characters and areas, just literally straight, go straight for just a bit like your uh, main player ending, like your character's special ending. And you could do that right off the gate. You can ignore half of the game and still progress and that's what I like about that game. You could kill main, like, important characters, and it just ends that quest line because they're dead. Yeah, of course. So far, I've identified uh, voice acting, decision-making, uh, mechanics explained within the story of the game. Um, decision-making? More of the story being in, in, like, in a different part, like in a booklet or something. Yeah. Great music, very atmospheric music. This is my personal stuff too this isn't like my criteria for like a great story game right because there's also like last of us Mm -hmm. which i love that game but that felt i haven't played in a while so that's why i didn't add it into the list i didn't play last of us 2 um one i did wanted to add but i would have to like revisit it to remember it would be uh the walking dead season one which is the telltale game Mm -hmm. which i did play and i and that game, if I remember, had everything I just said. Like, it was amazing. Because I'd be interested into seeing some games that don't involve decision-making. Because, I mean, while that could be a great aspect of a game where, you know, it changes depending on what you do. But, like, I would love to see, like, a great story that's... It's just a great story. That know? would be, like, Last of Us, in like, my opinion. Like, like a very yeah. immersive experience. For some reason, I thought you were going to tie this back to um, storytelling in like um, other kinds of media, like movies, books, oh. manga. Well, the thing with other stuff is that um, because you don't have that decision, you don't have decision making. Yeah, and and that's what I like about games is that it's more, it's a little bit more immersive. It gives more time to build things. It gives you if, if there's characters, like NPC characters or people who help you out, you can like these characters a little bit more than TV characters. Cause like um, in the game, you're actually like giving them shit. Like you're upgrading them or yeah, you're I mean, helping them build them up or whatever. I feel you feel a little bit more um, 
I also feel connected. Like, I also feel like you're looking to like a very specific kind of game, or like like you have your range of games that you like to play. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's what I'm saying. This is my no, I know, I know, I, I know. Yeah. So like, I'm trying to think of like games outside of that pur- uh, purview. How they tell stories. Call of Duty. They can't be as immersive, and in nope. F- in fact, if the game is too difficult or too complicated, it could actually hurt the experience. And like, while it mm. it may intend to do this or that, if you have trouble, you know, just getting around town or doing whatever, you might yeah. end up hating the game. Like, oh, who cares about the story? I, I can't even fucking get out of here or do whatever. That's like Fallout Four for me. Fallout mm. Four and Fallout Three, because this is why I didn't choose those Fallouts. Because again, New Vegas is truly the only one where you actually change the course of where the story will go. The overall story. While Fallout 3, it's either this or that. Okay. Um, uh, Fallout 4, there's no real, like, you changing. The only thing you change in that game is literally if something gets blown up or not. Okay. And it doesn't really feel like things change, right? Let me give you an, an, another example real quick. If you help out, the, if there's an area in the game called Freeside, right? And there's two people fighting each other called the Kings and the NCR. Now, if you help out the Kings, the NCR will be gone. And then while you're playing the game, you'll notice there's no NCR soldiers around Freeside. They're mm-hmm. like gone. And it's like, all right, if you help the NCR and go against the Kings... Now you're seeing way more NCR in an area. And that makes sense because they took over. And there are some games where they say things change, but it just the world doesn't feel like it changed. It just I got you. it's like hmm. I don't know how to explain it. It's like uh beating the game and just going back and doing all the other stuff you just did. You know what I mean? Okay. Nothing really changes it up, you know. But just to like solidify my point, like I feel like these mechanics can do can be really well, but at the same time, it depends on how they're implemented. They're yeah. just tools, so if, if they're not implemented well, they could suck. Yeah. Um, out of the games you've mentioned so far, I think I probably would have enjoyed Coder one or two better because oh, yeah. I would have enjoyed more a character-driven story. Like you, 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 you mentioned that um, th- yeah, that I, one NPC who like like you really get to know her and this and that. Yeah. Like, that seems more interesting to me. I, I feel like a character-driven story, when you really become a part of the character and you start feeling and thinking how that character is feeling, yeah. then as things happen to that character, you start to feel it. You know? And, and, yeah. and so the, the, the story is telling itself. It doesn't matter if you make this decision or that decision. You become a part of that character. So when they make their decisions, it feels like you're also experiencing experiencing with them. And to me, that's a good story. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing why I picked these games too is because um, especially Fallout New Vegas, this is why it's my number one is that. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> yeah. Um, what you just said, it it literally has that. Okay, with, that's good. With companions, with like okay. four different, maybe even more. I, I have to remember exactly which ones, but there's decent amount of companions. And again... At first you approach them and you think they're just like this cookie cutter character. But then later on, as you have them in your group, as you make decisions that they respect, Mm. they'll open up and be like, this is why I'm like this. Or this is why I did this. Kodor New Vegas, they share that. Kodor 2 is a little bit more intense with that, especially with like the emotional weight with characters, you know? Um, And I believe that both of them are pretty good character-driven games with the mixture of an overall narrative story. But in complete terms of, like, a narrative story, right? Like, a complete... That would be more like games like um, God of War, right? Mm. Last of Us. Okay. Where there's no real decisions. You're just... The the core of the story is, like, these characters. Yeah. And that's the connection that you make with these characters. Exactly. I yeah. think those are more character-driven. You see, like, when you speak of character-driven, I think of, like, characters that you could attach to really easily, that you could like really easily. And then that's they're the it. ones that's that... That's definitely part of it. And they're the ones that push 
the narrative. While like if you take for Homeworld, for instance, the whole narrative of it is just that a group of people lost their old world and now need to find a new one. Right. Yeah. And that's the whole story. That's the whole narrative. Yeah. I imagine if um, whether it's a person or a people or a group of individuals, as long as either you can see yourself in them or you could relate to them somehow, you could see someone, you know, as those people like there's um, even if it's something completely different, but like they're experiencing certain things which are familiar. Yeah. I try to think more on what makes these guys unique Mm -hmm. and what emotional stuff can I relate with them? Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's yeah. in, in the end. I think that's the basis of all of all human interaction. Like, I truly, I'm a person who truly believes that most people in the world have things in common. Yeah. You know, like how different we may be in age and and background, anything like that. In the end, we all have these things in common. Whether it's love for family, whether it's love for food, whether it's love for this and that, like things that we are that are important. And I feel like when you focus on those basic things you can have anyone relate to any character. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I if you're going to we if you're going to look at that side, we need to look at like what makes bad character development, right? Well, that'll be the next episode. Yeah, that could be the next episode, like <laughs> so what makes bad stuff. Let's wrap it up. Do you want to have any final wor- words on your thesis? Not um, your thesis, but your exploration into the game narrative stuff? Mm-hmm. Um I would just have to conclude it with my like this is all my personal take again and the reason why i chose these games is not because i played these games a lot is because i feel like these games had the a little bit more interesting tale to tell and there's a lot of games out there and i haven't played a lot of them obviously but um i picked these three because they were unique they they were each unique in a certain way i think of it kodor it's the character driven stuff where it's mostly you got to look it's more the characters and the NPC interactions, how you build them, how you make them, how they interact with decisions you make. Yes. Kodor's really into that. Homeworld, it's more of the narrative, like more of like the emotion of what these people are going through. Not characters, these people. Now, does, does the difficulty of the game slow down that experience at all? Like restarting that same level again and again, does it change the experience at all? Or no, 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 no. Okay. not for me. Anyway, that's just because like for me, when I'm stuck at a part and if there, if it has a great story, it's just me being bad at the game. That's, gotcha. that's just it. That's just me being just that. I just suck at the game. <laughs> that's it. But, but to me, so that's to me, that's part of it though, because to me, I, I love being immersed in the game. And if something takes me out of that, then then it kind of reminds me like what I'm doing, but I guess that's also it's it's also how I approach games. Like I was having this 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 this, this conversation earlier with somebody else. Like and and you mentioned it too. Like some people when they when they play games, they kind of like create their own story to put on top of the story to superimpose yes. story. I don't do that. I, yes, I approach a game in a much more like mechanical driven like experiencing the story or the music for what it is and then just focusing on the either the puzzles so i love puzzle games yeah um, or like the mechanics or this and that like i never put my own story on top of it, it just would feel i silly think yeah well i think that's me. just um i think that's just like a personal thing oh, yeah, because sure. um like i when i was young i i watched a shitload of movies like classic movies and stuff so like i really like narrative in in stuff. I really like stories and stuff. Like mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies is Memento, like a Christopher Nolan film. And it just plays yeah. with your idea of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that. And because the story is all jumbled up and it's all mixed up, but like it has a overarching conclusion and it's a pretty fucking awesome one in my opinion. But, and also it's uh, also, I, I used to play, um, uh, what do you call it? Some D and D. When I was younger. So like, I like building characters. I like giving myself like a limit and a short little backstory to explain why my character has this limit. Yeah. So I think that's just, yeah, it's just something like that. And, um, I don't know. I, I just, what, what, that's like, it's, it's a personal fun thing, but it's very specific on what game you could do that with. You know what I mean? 
Like the most I use that for is um, maybe like Oblivion RPG, mostly games. Um, th- that's really it. That's the only way I play. Would you like ever do that. that? Would you ever do that with like Breath of the Wild? No, no. Breath of the Wild to me is just is just a Zelda game. Like this is the thing with Nintendo games. I did look at Zelda and Majora's Mask and all those games for this list. I just didn't connect to those games as much, and. Yeah, I love the games, but the stories aren't really what drive me about the game. Yeah, that's the thing. It's more the gameplay. (laughs) Exactly. Because Breath of the Wild is a fun game. But it's just the same story again and again. Yeah, it's just the same story. (laughs) It's just retold. I do like how they, like, are kind of vague Mm -hmm. on, like, what timeline you're in or if, if, like, whatever, (laughs) that that thing. But But that's it. That's me looking, like, digging in the story to make it more interesting for myself. Exactly, yeah. But overall conclusion, um, at the end of the day, as long as you're like taking in the information and you're able to come up with your own thing or you just enjoy this, any game could be a good story game. You know, like even the Call of Duty series or whatever, right? But let's let's not let's come on, come on. Well, I to be honest, I think Black Ops out of all of them, Black Ops, it gets mean the most, but it was the most interesting one out of all the Call of Duties. Like yeah, in terms of, of it's the story out of all the Call of Duties, out of I all guess. the other Call of Duties, yeah. But um, at the end of the day, it just depends on you and stuff. But storytelling in games is, I feel, might be it's coming, it's resurging a little bit with um, a bunch of uh, single player games coming out, like uh, the Jedi Order. I believe um, they're coming out with another Star Wars game, Eclipse. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't really think of any other the three houses, the Fire Emblem three houses. That's a that's a single player game, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think there is a resurgence coming back with single player story narrative games, which I I am glad for. I'm very happy for. Yeah, three um, Fire Firehouse Firehouse Fire <laughs> has always been pretty good at at creating good characters. Yeah, and that's what kind of really drives their games. Um, I'm actually replaying right now the first Fire Emblem I played. Um, See, that's one of those games, just don't mean to interrupt you, but that's one of those games where I did play those, but I ignored the story. I literally, because I just found the gameplay, like, yeah, more fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, the story isn't amazing or anything. It's, it's, you know, it's like good and evil, dragons, humans. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's not so much the story, but the characters that are more interesting. Uh yeah, like, like you know, like whether you like a character or you don't like a character, that's what I find more interesting about it rather than the, the, the story. Like, the characters are, 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 are more of the content for me. But, um, yes, we are reaching the hour mark, so let's finish it up on this. Uh, what were we talking about again? I do like, I mean, because, like, at the same time, just to, like, um, finish up my thoughts, like, yes, like, in the end, it's, it's really based on what you like, you yeah. Know, like so, yeah. You could love a certain story, and someone yeah, it's 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 subjective. Yeah, it's subjective. So I I definitely do like how we were approaching it, um, or or rather, you were approaching it from like, okay, well, the mechanics, you know, um, decision making definitely helps. Uh, voice acting, which I totally yeah. agree with. Uh, what was it? Um, immersive music, which I think immersive is just a music. default. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely be a default. I think the number one for me personally would be. Me, uh, mechanics in a game that are explained within the lore. Yeah, that's really interesting. I definitely want to look for more examples of that. Yeah, I'm sure they exist. Oh just... no, yeah. Once you start looking into it, you'll start noticing like they they some games do do a good job e- explaining your limitations mm-hmm. within the game for yeah. whatever reason or whatever. Yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty cool. But yeah, no. So I definitely want to try to think of, of my own list. It, it it may not be it, obviously it's gonna be different because we play different kinds of games. Yes. I think. Yes. But um, yeah. Okay. So real quickly, um, I kind of want to talk about the Nintendo Direct that just came oh, out. Oh yes. And there's a couple of games that I, I definitely liked. I'm very excited for Zeno. I don't know. I I I'm speaking of great voice acting. Zeno one and two had great voice acting. Uh, Blade. Ah uh, yeah yeah. Whether I was listening to it, I mean, I usually when it comes to voice acting, I switch it to, to the Japanese because I just enjoy hearing Japanese voices more. Oh, that's weird. I I like it on movies or foreign films or even yes. anime. Yes. Video games, no. 
No. Everything has to be English for me, especially in video games. <laughs> I, I prefer it in Japanese, but these were actually as really good in English. So, like, I actually enjoy um, I'll the play, English I, dub. I'll play once in English and one in Japanese. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. It just it sounds so much better in Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> like, the dumb shit sounds cooler. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. The dumb shit, especially like anime games, it's like you need that Japanese esque. <sighs> yeah. I forgot there was like a. To butter it up. But I don't know, man. Xeno 3 looks honestly looks really good. Like you could tell, even even if you never play the games, you could tell they're putting a lot of money into it. Yeah, the I, quality is there. I um I don't play the Xenoblades. I've seen videos on it. It does look interesting, but it's just not my cup of tea. But I do see the trailer, and I did think, damn, this is a very good looking trailer. Yeah, like they're they're spending money on this, and they've been working on it for a minute apparently, like yeah. a long long time. So. That's interesting. And I, I I like the Kirby game. The Kirby game just looks interesting. It looks interesting. If they do like a um like a like a Mario Odyssey, it could be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally like Odyssey a lot. Yeah, I didn't play Odyssey. Oh, you're missing out. Yeah, man. I didn't I didn't play. I'm not a huge Mario fan. I mm. like sixty four. That's the last one I played. If you liked Mario sixty four, you'll like Mario Odyssey. Yeah, like, it went back to that feel, like because to me, Mario sixty four was very fresh and original. Obviously, it's a, it's it's the sixty four. Yeah, but it's they intrude so many different worlds to go to, and it was just it felt fresh, and that's exactly what Odyssey does. That's so. a good thing. That, yeah. I like when games do that. Yeah, and then everything else. I mean, like I'm excited for um, Splatoon three, but it's nothing new. It's, yeah, it's just I, like the, the same game, just like a little different. So that's like whatever. Uh, Chrono Cross. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw Chrono Cross. That excites me because I'm wondering, are they going to come out again with like Trigger or something? That'd be eh, interesting. Yeah, or, maybe. Or, we we would have to like look on who owns the licenses to that, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I've never played Chrono Cross, but I'm definitely going to try it out now. And I mean, Earthbound. I mean, they've been releasing Earthbound again and again yeah. and again. You see, like... <laughs> Shit like that. It's just like, okay, come on. I was not excited about this Nintendo Direct. Like... I did watch it. You did tell me to see it and check it out. I did check it out. Mario Strikers look cool. But everything was like a remake or like they're bringing it to the Switch, like the Star Wars Force Unleashed, that's, the Chrono Trigger. That's Nintendo's thing. They're, it's, they're trying to introduce every single possible game they can because they know they have a market. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, it, just, it just didn't really catch my Nothing really caught my eye. Nothing really made me go like, oh, I definitely want that. Yeah. Everything's just been like, eh, maybe, maybe not. I I don't really care. You know, a lot of eights. I mean, a lot of sequels in there, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, um, no new IPs, I would say. Yeah. it's um, They definitely rely a lot on their, um, on their like, first party. Yeah, games. their first party stuff. I mean, that's what Nintendo's about to. But, yeah. you know, I can't really say much about it. Yeah, but I'm definitely excited for Strikers. I used to play a lot of Strikers. Strikers looks good. I did see Strikers, That's and I was like, fun, that dude. looks fun. It is it is a lot I like of fun, the, dude. Now you could change your uh, look. Anything, customization. Like gear, yeah, yeah, gear, anything. I'm always into that. Like, they're not I always really, like that. Like Other than that aspect, they're not really changing much about the game. But if they keep it like the old ones, it's going to be awesome. As yeah, well you don't fun. need to change the formula. Yeah. Just and then, update and upgrade. Other than that, I mean, they're still putting games into Mario Kart 8. Which is interesting. Yeah. I bought Mario Kart 8 for the Wii U. Yeah. Yeah. That's recently? It. No, not recently. Oh, okay, I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like how you said um, last time about they're not going to come out with, with another Smash because they're just going to keep adding characters to this Smash. Yeah. So it's kind of the same idea with with Mario Kart. Why are they going to come out with a new Mario Kart? Just put more more levels into, into Mario yeah, Kart Yeah, just 8. put more levels and more people. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And but that's... I think you might have a point there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with some modern games that they're looking, they're trying to find like the Fortnite where they could just keep one game and just add shit to it and then just leave it alone and just keep letting people add it and whatnot. Again, this is why NFTs are going to ruin gaming. Another aspect, but. (laughs) And then just uh, the big dud award, I would give it to the Disney Pixar racer. Disney Pixar racer. You didn't see that? Oh God! It's like just like you're. It's like you know your go kart racer. Like like everyone makes a version of, of Mario uh, Kart. Yeah, it's like I don't get that. Just buy with, Mario Kart. <laughs> but it's with Disney and and, and Pixar um, oh. IPs. It's so dumb. Whatever. Yeah. Cool. 
All right, so let's wrap it up. Um, yeah. Thank you all yeah. for joining thank us. Thank you. And we'll be back next week for yet another episode. Who knows of what? Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. Later. Peace out. Cue music, please. Bye-bye. Do, 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 do.